morning, church. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. Amen. If you're visiting with us and I see visitors here and here and a little here. Nope, a few more back there. And a couple over there. That's really good, isn't it? I love that peanut, Peanuts cartoon of Lucy. You know, Lucy was always this, I don't know, she's kind of like my wife. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, just the opposite, honest. Uh, I want to eat today. But uh, Lucy, Lucy demands Linus. She walks into the room. She demands Linus to turn the TV. And the Linus says, what makes you think you can walk in here and demand that of me and take over? And she said, well, this fist right here. And he said, how's that? And she says, well, these five fingers, says, individually they are nothing, but coiled together they are a weapon to behold. Linus simply said, well, what channel do you want? As he turns away, he looks at his fist and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? It's the way we are. We, God puts us together as his family, and he wants us to work together as a family. He wants us to be workers in his kingdom. He wants us to be these people that are productive, and he wants us to be full of joy and happiness because we know where we're going. We know who we belong to. We know that we, uh, you know, we, we serve a risen Savior in all that we do. Amen? Now, I'm a believer in this, and I've always been this way for some reason. I always instilled in me as my parents or maybe coaches when I was young playing sports, uh, maybe a combination of all those things, but hopefully in the Lord as well. But I've always had the belief that if you finish a season in your life strong, it prepares you with confidence for the season to come. I really believe that. Good coaches know that. They teach their players that. Maybe in a rough year, maybe in a rough season for them, but what they try to instill toward the end of that season is to, to play strong, to be strong. Give it your best. Give it your all now. Don't give up now. Because what they're trying to instill in them is that if they finish strong, they have something to build upon the following year, the following season to come. And our Christian walk, it is the same way. We go through seasons in our lives, just like the seasons of the year, but we go through seasons as well. And some are springtime, and they're, they're, everything's blooming, and everything seems to be great. And summertime, it's just full of life, and we're just running well. Then fall comes, things settle in, and they give, begin to be a little rough for us sometimes. And then sometimes winter comes. And winter seasons are tough for us. It appears as though everything is dead. It appears as though there's no life whatsoever. And those long days, those long periods of our lives, they describe some of us. Perhaps some of you in this room, you're in a season of your life. Maybe it's the season of spring or summer, or some it's fall. But the truth be told, someone sitting close to you perhaps is in a winter season. I want to encourage all of us, no matter what season we might be in, I want to encourage all of us to lift ourselves up as we enter into this last month of this year of 2017 together, to commit to put forth your very best efforts, to put forth your very best in order to slip into the 2018 with not only confidence, but momentum. Momentum to be able to accomplish what God has for us. Because if God has us here, I believe with all of my heart that God has a purpose for our lives and a purpose for this church, and greater things are yet to come. And I believe that with all of my heart. 
The struggle with that is we often don't put forth the effort. We become these people that are satisfied with where we're at. We become a little bit, and, and I use this probably more to me than anyone else, so I'll be first in line. We become a little bit laxed, even in our spiritual walk, and that being laxed a little bit too long can lead to what we know as laziness. We just become lazy. We know we ought to. We know we should. We even desire to be better. We long to be better. But yet something within us causes us to sit on the couch, if you will, and just change the channels from one week to the next, even in our spiritual lives. Thomas Edison said it like this, Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed up in overhauls. It looks a lot like work. It's true, isn't it? My dad used to tell me there are two kinds of people in this world, son. Those that do the work and those that take credit for the work. But he always encouraged me. He always encouraged me to be a part of that first group. And I'm thankful that he did, instilling that into us as children as we were growing up, to be hard workers. But I think he also instilled it in, into me because there's less competition in that area. And, it, and you discover that if you're a worker. You realize the efforts that it takes, and sometimes you just don't really feel like it. I was privileged a few weeks ago, as maybe some others in this room were able to go to a little conference here in town. John Maxwell comes in, and uh, he's a great speaker, and enjoy ministries and some others, and tons of books, and, and all those things. But it was an encouragement and saying there's some things that you need to do in your life. You need to step out. You need to put forth the effort for yourself to be able to accomplish those things. Don't let your dreams die. Don't give up your dreams. Dream big. But when you dream big, there has to be something behind that. Whether you're a ball player or whether you're a doctor or whatever it is that you're doing in life, Dream big, and then you have to go for it. You have to put in the work in the, the batting cage or the extra jump shots or the free throws or the preaching or the teaching and the studying of God's Word. All of those things take work. Are we willing? Are we willing to put in forth that effort so that we can carry into the new year some great things to come? In Colossians chapter 3, I found an interesting Scripture here, and you've read it before, I'm sure. If you haven't read it before, I'm sure that you sang it before. And, and you remember the, the singing of this verse. And it says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Remember that, singing that song together. And as it goes on through there, it says, and notice this, it says, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you're doing. When you get up in the morning, whatever you're doing then, that moment, whatever you're doing throughout your day, whatever you're doing when you go to work or when you're out playing or whatever the case is, and whatever you're doing, work at it with all of your heart. It's not just your strength, it's the heart, it's the attitude. Because the heart, there's where that attitude begins to stir, whether it's positive or negative. And you can go to a negative side and you can have a horrible day. And oftentimes we have horrible days because we set the stage to have a horrible day. 
we're running behind. Coffee is not right that day. You know, they got my order mixed up at Starbucks. You know, my egg wasn't quite done, squirted on me, and I got to change my tie, whatever the case is. And so we start off, the traffic's bugging me. You know, the principal said something to me on the way in, and I didn't like it. Somebody took my parking space at the mall, and somebody stole. All these things go on in our lives. And so all of a sudden, we take that in, and the more we drink of that, all of a sudden, now you're doing, not very good, thank you very much. Before we know, we're snapping at people that we work with, and our parents, or even at our children. I'm guilty of that. You get full of those things. Watch you, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So when you're called to do something, if you're working for the Lord, how would you respond? I'll get to it when I get ready to. Really? Oh, yes, Lord. What is it that you want me to do? Since you know, and this is really important, since you know that you have received an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And the church said, okay, very good. thought you were here still. Now, please understand in the writing of this verse, and many will teach this, and I've heard this preached this wrong, this way, and it's absolutely wrong. They teach this as though it is that you are somehow working to receive salvation. This scripture does not teach that. This scripture teaches plainly. It's, notice it says there, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. It doesn't say it's so that you might. Or it's a good possibility. There's a chance. If you do enough, perhaps I'll let you get on the team. No, because you know that you are going to receive an inheritance. I know that I know that I know that God is true to His Word and He is my free gift. Jesus is my free gift from God. I didn't deserve it, but God said, here, just for you. And I received that. Amen? I pray that you have as well. And John, Jesus tells of this, and He says, And this is interesting here. He says he's not only the one working, but God is working. And I find that interesting that Jesus is still working today and God is still working today. Watch how he writes it here. So so because, whoops, there we go. So because, I I can read fast, but not that fast. All right, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath day, the Jewish, the Jews persecuted him. You see, on the Sabbath day, you're supposed to, you know, just lay back and not do anything. And so they said, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 you can't do that. But all the things that Jesus was doing on the Sabbath day were for God's glory. Now watch, because he was working for the Father. Now, Jesus said to them this, my Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was now even calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. How dare you do such a thing, they were saying. Now, we would all agree that God works. We would all agree that Jesus works. And their works are perfect. Can I get an amen? Our works may not be perfect, But what we have before us is we have a standard in which we are to be working in God's kingdom. How it is that we're supposed to be doing what we're doing. Now, in this, what is your standard of life? What is your standard of life? What is your footprint? Is your standard to just get along, just to get by? Or is it a standard of excellence? 
those are really important questions, and I think they're, in, they're questions that we ought to ask ourselves in every season of our life. Is where is my standard right now? What am I really putting forth right here? Where are my footprints leading, if you will, in this? Now, the biblical call to, the biblical call is to excellence. It is to excellence. It's, it's, it's looking, it's not only just looking the part, it's acting the part and doing the part that God has called me to do. You see, we can all come to church and we can look really good. And we can all say, Amen, when the preacher says, Amen. The question is, is when we walk outside of those doors, are we actually acting the part? Are we doing what God has called us to do? It's a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for the preacher, and I know it's a challenge for all of us in this room. Now, does God want to help us in all of this? Well, sure He does. If you look at Scripture in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 16, and I love this particular verse, this, this passage here. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully connected to Him or committed to Him. And isn't that wonderful to know that God is looking, God is seeing, God is knowing what is going on. And you know what He's looking at? It's all right, babies don't bother me a bit. You know, you know what God is looking for? He's looking for to see if your heart is committed to Him. David, a man after God's own heart, did some terrible things throughout his life, but his heart was always for God. And in that, God says, if your heart is for me, I will strengthen you. If you don't have the strength to carry it through, you need to ask yourself, is my heart fully committed to God? Am I really in this process committed in my Christian walk? Am I committed to God? Some people have the idea of, well, I don't really have the time. It's just asking too much. Oh, really? Someone once said the only thing wrong, or the only thing wrong with doing nothing is that you never know when you're finished. That's right. I don't know if I'm getting started or I'm done. I'm just doing nothing. When would you start? I don't know. When you think you'll be done? I don't know. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. Nothing plus nothing equals hello. When something is worth doing, we instill this in our, uh, our children. We instill this in our students. We instill this in our players. We instill this all the time. If something is uh, is worth doing, it's worth doing right. And God has called us to do it right. It's to put forth our excellence. It means that doesn't mean that we're going to do everything right. Because that's, again, what some people preach. Check, 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 check. Oh, no check. You're out of here. No, it's a check. Where's your heart? Because if your heart is right, even when you make those mistakes, even when you sin, God says, I will forgive those if you ask. And you'll ask if your heart is right. Always. Our example is Jesus himself, is it not? Some people say, well, yeah, he went to the cross. Listen, he didn't go to the cross. He bore a cross. There's a difference. Oh, they caught me. Okay, they put me on the cross. No. They didn't catch Jesus. Jesus gave himself freely for your sins and my sins. 
and the sins of the world. Jesus bore a cross for you. He just didn't go to a cross. Now, true faith has hands and feet, we say. And that's what we try to be a part of here at Western Hills. And we can say, yay, we've done a good job. But there's always more work to do. And that's okay. It takes action behind our works or or our faith. It's not enough to know that you know that you know, but it's good to know that you know that you know. Isn't it? But it is really important to show that you know that you know that you know. It's just showing that. You know, when we break up and uh, uh, we're here and we're singing and we do our little welcome right there at the beginning. Show people. Show people that you know that you're a child of God. Walk around there. Just If nothing else, wouldn't this be great? Just everybody over here, when you're finished, you're sitting over here. How'd that happen? Somebody's gone to the bathroom, they come back in. Martha, where are you at? But it's because you did that and you were trying to show those people they're important. Are those people important? Are these people important? Are these people important? Are these people important? (laughs) Yes, they are. And it's showing that. It's showing the people as they come through those doors, and I'll get to that in a minute. Let me say this. It's interesting to me that many people want a better life. Um, who wants a better life? Anybody? Come on. You want a half better life or a whole better life? It's all right to raise your hands in church, you know. Somebody walked in and said, oh, my, that must be a Pentecostal church. All right. The Spirit came down. Amen? All right, on the day of Pentecost. Here we go. Uh, many people want this better life. They want a better physical life. They want a better marriage. They want better finances. They want better education. They want a better business. They want a better church or growing church. But they're unwilling. What happens in that process, they're unwilling to put forth the effort. They're unwilling to put forth the effort to receive what is available to them. I see it in marriages when I counsel. I see it in individuals when they're trying to make decisions in life. Yeah, I want to do, but nah. I want to do, but nah. I want to do, but nah. Sounds like a college student in his freshman year, doesn't it? You see the effort it's going to take to get there, and we often back off, and we back off, and we back off. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife loves Christmas. I love Christmas too. But my wife loves all the pretty decorations of Christmas. If anybody knows my wife, you know that for sure. So that means... So that means, I want to eat today, but the, the, that means that I have a ton of boxes to get out of the attic. And I mean a ton of them. It means a lot of work on my part. It really does. Now, I could go to my local Ace Hardware store, Phil. I could go to my local Ace Hardware store and buy one of those magical little things that project those snowflakes going across the front of the house. And they're cool. I like that. And I could get one of those, take it out of the package, plug it in, put it in the front yard, and say, honey, I'm done. But I don't do that. (laughs) Do you know why I don't do that? (laughs) Because I don't like sleeping in a doghouse. It stinks in there. 
No, it is because I love my wife. I love my wife and it blesses me. It blesses me to bring her joy in all of that decorating. And every time I have to pull another box, or my grandson and I pull another box out of there, he'll say, how many more? I'm not counting, but we're passing them down. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, for a beautiful bride. It's going to make it all look good. And she made me a cherry pie today. All right. So I do my part. We all have parts to do. Again, mediocrity. What's it mean? Everyone said we laughed a lot today, but that's okay. Laughter is good medicine. I'm trying to make my point, and hopefully you get that as well. What, what is me, mediocrity? What's the meaning of it? One that displays mediocre qualities. Just mediocre. And as Christians, we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful not to fall into mediocre qualities because we can. Because we can. In those seasons, we can become just mediocre. We can become mediocre in our giving. You know, somebody said, well, you, you're going to talk about giving? Listen, listen closely about giving. All I want, all I will ever ask you is to evaluate what God has blessed you with. And ask God in return to give you a heart to give with a heart like that. We become perhaps mediocre in our attending. I've got other things going on. I really want to do this. We do it on our prayer time and our Bible reading and all the other characteristics of a good Christian should have. If you look at Scripture, you find out that the Israelites fell into this category as well. They, they, they knew God. Of course they did. They were God's chosen people. They loved God. Of course they did because they were God's chosen people. They wanted more for themselves. Every time they found themselves lacking in something, they longed for more because they knew that God held more. But they become laxed. They become this people that became mediocre. It didn't really matter. Yeah, it's okay. Before you know it, they received what they had planted. Their harvest was lowered that year. And the reason why their harvest was lower is because they never planted the seed to get it. If a farmer said, if you asked a farmer, how are you expecting on your yield this year for your cotton or your wheat or your corn? And he said, boy, I'm expecting a great yield this year. It's going to be fabulous. And you asked him the question, well, how much did you plant? And he said, oh, I haven't planted anything. What would you think? Did you think he's going to magically drive to the field, Doug or Stan going to drive to the field? Bob, you going to drive to the field? It's all going to be there? No, it's because you prepared for it. You did the work and now you're leaving the rest to God because God said, I will be with you. I am the one that brings it up. I am the one that will produce it for you. Give me an amen. 
I guess what I'm saying here is footprints leave clues to where people are going. Just like deer tracks. Headed in the right direction, wrong direction. Paul the Apostle even said it this way, follow my example. But notice what he said, as I follow the example of Christ. You see it? That's wonderful. Follow the example of other people. The great cloud of witnesses talked about in Scripture. Follow the example of your great, your parents and grandparents and all those of great walk of faith. Follow that example. But when you follow that example and you don't find Christ, you need to be going in a different direction. Because the example needs to always lead back to Christ Jesus in our life. When you look close enough, let's just talk about Western Hills, for instance. Some of you know this and some of you don't, so here we go. When you look close enough at our history here and where we're at in our history at Western Hills, started in 1963 over in Eisenhower High School, and all the footprints that you look back from, uh, from 2017 all the way back to the early 60s there, all of those, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find footprints that led in the right direction they got us to this point. And in that, all of us that are enjoying what we have today on this corner, we praise God for it. Amen? But the work isn't finished. It's not finished. It won't be finished when I'm gone. It won't be finished when you're gone. And so we have plenty of work to do. For truly it's hard work and trust and faith in God that got us to this point. But now that we are here, there is still work to do. There is still faith to be lived out in our lives. And not a mediocre fashion, but with excellence. Excellence. Who you are leaves a stamp on the world in which we live. You know that, just like footprints in the mud. How is that the case? If you're mean and ugly in life, it leaves the world more ugliness with more ugliness and meanness. Honoriness, my dad used to say. You're just honoring. If it's laziness, then you leave the world with more to bear. And that's one of the problems with our country today. There's a heavy load for us to carry. But because someone else is lazy doesn't mean we're called to be lazy. Because God will give us the strength to carry on. His promise, remember it. However, if it's honesty and love and joy and all those things, the world benefits from us, doesn't it? Sure it does. If it's generosity, the needs of those that are truly hurting are blessed, according to God's Word. If it's joy, the world is a more pleasant place to be, and the preacher likes that a whole lot better. When people come through our doors and those doors back there, they don't need mean and ugly for that is what the world has given them and perhaps other churches even. Because I've been a part of them. When they come through our doors, they need love and they need hope and they need joy. They need a, a place of belonging. A welcoming place. A place with smiles. A place with this, this excitement, this excellence delivered to God and to each other. Love reaches across the aisles, even in our differences, even in our differences. When people come our way and look our way, what will impress them the most? Christ-likeness or world, a world dressed in a suit? 
can find that anywhere. For one can build a new building and build new structures and, and have open houses and have, you know, Christmas programs and all the wonderful things, and people will come. They will come. The question is, will they return? They return not because you built the building or built on. They return because of you. Because of us. Those people were full of the Spirit. Those people were full of joy. Those people were full of love. Those people were just great to be around. I can't wait till next week to come and be a part of that. I long to be there for once and for all. I love to go to church. And we set the stage for that. It's not about what people say when they come. It's about what they say when they leave. And I want to hear them say, as they drive out the parking lot, that was awesome today. I felt good today to be in the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made, and I'm rejoicing in it. And today we celebrated the King, the King of all kings, Lord of all lords. They didn't deny it. They were glad to share it. They actually were people there that looked like they liked the preacher. All right, let's go on. <laughs> the love of God isn't meant to draw, it, it is meant to draw people in, not to keep people out. So you see, who you are affects us all. You do matter. You do matter. You do matter. You do matter. It affects us all. It really does. Now you don't have to worry about God doing his part. Because He always has and He always will. He'll never fail us. Every time you see a movement of God through Scripture or throughout history, there's directions that have been given. When those directions are followed, blessings come. When those directions aren't followed, ruin always follows. Always works that way. Individually or collectively as a group. Individually or as a body of Christ, believers, churches. They just fold. Amazing. So you can see there's work for all of us to do. No, it's not finished. And I'm glad it's not finished. I'm thankful that it's not finished. We're not working to finish. We're just working. That's a good slogan. Somebody put that down. All right, all right. (laughs) But we are. We're just working. And I'm glad it's not finished yet. It means that we all get to do something. All of us get to do something. And I love that part. It's like the old farmer that said, the hardest thing about milking cows is they never stay milked. Every week when we come to this place, Sunday or whenever it might be, that God allows us, and the elders say, hey, let's have this gathering. Oh, Wednesday night, by the way, I just want to say, if you misconnect on Wednesday night, you missed something great. Robbie did a great job for us, but really what was great, all the people that showed up filled that family center up. And it was absolutely wonderful. Now, we're going to have another one of those next quarter. It's called Connect. You don't want to miss it because that's, I mean, they tell you, it's real. It's a lot of fun interaction, a lot of stuff going on. Study a little bit of God's Word. Get that in us. Get a lot of fellowship and just a lot of lot of good time together. Amen? All right. Every week when we come to this place, we need to bring our A game, as they would say, our excellence before the Lord and before each other. 
For the young are called to excellence as well as the elderly, no doubt. Proverbs 20 says this, Even a child is known by his doing. And then that's the truth. It is what we do, my friend, which leaves the impression of life for others to read about us. You're not too young and you're not too old to be led by God. You might be too stubborn, but not too old. Listen to this. So as God says, I will, sh- I will show you a way. Now, now just, just this one verse. And I really, this is the verse that I concentrated on all week. It really was besides James 1. This is the verse that just spoke to me over and over again in the simplicity of this verse. And it simply says there, as you can read it yourself, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Now you could read that in probably 10 seconds or less, and you can move on to the next verse, but you'll miss it if you do. Slow down. Notice the two important things there. He gives the directions. You see it? He gives directions. Now notice, it's God giving the directions. Not a preacher, not an elder, not someone else. This is God saying, I will give you directions. I will what? I will teach you, I will instruct you, and I will counsel you. That's the first one you need to go to in your life. Allow God to teach you. Allow God in this process to counsel you, to instruct you. So you have to have a relationship with Him. Make those appointments with Him and say, God, I'm here to be taught. I'm here to allow you to counsel me. Here's my life. Here's where I'm at. This is the ugliness of it. Now counsel me because you said you would. That's God's promise. I love that about my God. And what I really love about my God is when He makes a promise, He always keeps it. Always. So I can call on Him there. But notice the second thing that he does, and I love this part. He says that he will protect me. If God teaches me and he counsels me, and in this process he instructs me, and I follow those, no matter how scary it gets in life, I can know that I'm okay, because I know that I know that I know that God is with me. And he says right there, I will watch over you. Who better to watch over you than God? Huh? Who better? Mom and dad might do a good job. But I'm going to tell you, God does a whole lot better than that. In fact, Scripture says, while you are sleeping, He sings over you. God is watching over us. I'm almost finished. Hang on. We'll go eat together. Here we go. Most Christians stay where they are spiritually. I'm going to have a message on this after the first of the year. And um, there's probably more than three reasons, but here they are. Most Christians stay where they are spiritually for one of three reasons. One is, the first, is they have sin. You have sin in your life that you're unwilling to confess. That's just bottom line. You have sin in your life, and you know it, and you're unwilling to confess it. And you're not growing spiritually. Secondly, you don't want to. That's called lazy. And thirdly, you're afraid. Because if you grow spiritually, God may ask you to do something greater than you've ever done before. But I want to tell you today, all of them are covered by God. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and forgive all your sins. All of them. Secondly, He says, go into the world. That's our mission. 
go into the world. To go somewhere means you can't be lazy. It means go. And then finally, being afraid. He said, don't be afraid. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now back to my dad. He always said this. Uh, and he, I mean, he would get me on almost every time. He would say, the good thing about a shovel is that it fits any hand that's put to it. He'd always tell me that after he said, grab me that shovel there, will you, son? <laughs> it fits your hand just right. Meaning God's work fits you just fine. Do you know that? How do I know that? This scripture, Ephesians 2. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, you read too fast, you miss it. Notice the verse includes all three. God, Christ, and me. God wants to include you. But God says, I'll be right there with you. Because I've already planned it. There is work to do. James 2 tells us that the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So let's all be what God has called us to be. Let's not settle for anything less. Let's look, don't look back at the mud holes and the potholes and the ugliness of whatever's been those last 11 months. Let's look for this month to be our strongest month ever. Let's finish strong. And when we, as we finish strong, we can move into the new year with this momentum that God, I know, I know that I know that I know that He longs for us to have a blessed new year. Don't look back. Scripture says, don't look back. You put your hand to the plow and you look back. You're not fit for the service of the kingdom of God. It means fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Let's all decide today, this is our time. This is my time. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give it all I have to move into the new year to what God would have me to be. And know when First Thessalonians, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Oh yes, he will. So the first step of excellence you can offer is giving your life to Jesus Christ. Because if you have not given your life to Christ, you are living a mediocre life. Perhaps you've given your life to Christ. Then you were gung-ho, you were in this thing, but through those potholes, through Januaries and the seasons of this year, or even years past, they've beat you up, they've made you hurt, and you've become this person that's become weak instead of strong. I would encourage you today as well, is to look up, to look up. Give your excellence and see what God can do with that. Because when you offer Him what you have, He gives you what He has, and He always has more than you can imagine. God longs to bless you. Today can be your day. You need a prayer? We're here for you. You need to give your life to Christ? He's here for you. You need baptism today? The water's prepared. We're ready to do that. You're hurting inside. You want just somebody to listen. We're here for you. You're excited inside because of some things that have been happening and going on and you're thrilled. We're here for you as well. So this is family time. We're going to sing a song. And during this song, 
If you feel led by the Spirit, because He's the one that's asked to move you, you come on up. We'll take care of that business as well. God bless you and thank you. Let's stand and sing.